Snap Studios. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I know you've had this experience where something that you love, ice cream, lemonade, maybe your mom's homemade brownies for some reason, it just doesn't hit the same way. Almost like the brownie is broken or something. But it's not the food. The brownie is exactly the same as it's ever been. Or maybe it's something you've hated your whole life, like, uh, I, I, like pickles. All of a sudden, you can't get enough pickles. No, pickles didn't change. You did. A change of circumstance alters how we experience the world. And today, on Snap Judgment, we're going to explore our sensations after one of the biggest life changes there is. Incarceration. We proudly present the five senses. My name is from Washington, and my advice is to taste everything while you still can. Especially when you're listening to Snap Judgment. Now, you know we love some ear hustle here at Snap. It's a show from PRX's Radiotopia that was created by the people from San Quentin State Penitentiary, featuring stories from San Quentin State Penitentiary, their Snap family. And the first episode of their 10th season, congratulations, the first episode focuses on how prison can mess with your senses. The things you see, touch, taste, feel. And today, inside San Quentin, your hustle begins with the world of sound. Sometimes I remember it was so quiet early morning that I could hear frogs croaking. I didn't know what it was at first, but it sounded familiar, and it was springtime. I know that the bay is just right outside of West Block, and you could throw a stone and hit the water from the top of the building, if you could get on the top of the building. I'm not trying to escape. Put that in there. I believe they were bullfrogs. I I love nature, so... Um, I'm a little bit familiar with some of the different sounds. And there were dozens of them. I mean, there were lots and lots of frogs out there. And that was really cool. Every morning around 3.30 a.m., I can hear the guards opening up the doors. Not only do you hear them keying each door, like click-clack, click-clack, click-clack. As they walk between doors, you hear the keys jingle. Ching, 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 clack, ching, 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 click, clack, ching, 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 click, clack, ching, 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 click, clack. So I'm hearing that at 4.30, and it pretty much wakes me up every morning. 
1230 on a Wednesday, and we're out on the yard at San Quentin State Prison. Nigel and I are here, and we have our eyes closed. What are you hearing, Nigel? Ooh, I just heard the sound of bird wings kind of flapping, must be taking off from the cement ground. I definitely hear guys talking. I think some people are playing handball, so I hear the sound of a ball hitting the wall. And what sound just came up? It was really nice. Do you hear that? I just heard the sound of a saxophone, but also heard a New York City sound. What was that? The sound of a plastic bag blowing across the concrete, abandoned. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, I just heard a gate open. I'm hearing somebody with a metal cane or something. I hear a cane Ooh, scraping. Coming up behind us, yeah. That's right. What are you smelling? Okay. I smell dirt. I smell like heat coming off of the cement. Dusty smell, a dusty smell. How about you? At first, the yard smelled fresh, but then I went around shaking my head from left to right, taking deep breaths, and I smelled something weird I can't really identify. Wait a second. I just did what you said, and I turned my head to the left. I smell like a food smell, something that was microwaved in um, cardboard and then like sat out for a long time, so everything's hard in it. When was the last time you kept your eyes closed on the yard? I generally don't keep my eyes closed on the yard. <laughs> this is probably the first time. How does it feel? Uh, ironically, it feels safe and comforting somehow, like I'm doing yoga or something on the yard. Oh, that's nice. What, should we open our eyes and see what's actually around us? Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. one. I think it was odd when I opened my eyes, all of a sudden I saw there were about 40 guys walking right towards us. Yeah, because the yard felt so empty when we closed our eyes, and now a flood of people coming out down the stairs Whoa. from the building units hitting the yard. Yeah, I, it's weird we didn't pick up on it, you know? Yeah, like being in prison, it affects your senses in a lot of ways. Some senses you start to forget about, like they kind of recede into your memory. Other ones you wish you could just turn off. I'm Nigel Poor. I'm Rasan New York Thomas. Today, the five senses of prison life on Ear Hustle from PRX's Radiotopia, season 10. We still here. In smell around, sensor, what do they call it? <laughs> Smellorama? San Quentin, when I first got here, I was 23. And I walked into reception over in Badger section and it was just powerful. None of the sounds that you hear are the stuff that you want to hear. Music in reception center just doesn't even exist. You know, no TVs, no radios. You become more sensitive to things like keys jangling. and I don't know what it is, but when a male officer is instructing someone, giving an instruction, a, a, a demand, you know, that voice, even if you can't see, you can only hear the voices, you know who is who. Can you tell me any good sounds inside prison? Are there any good sounds? Yes. So there's a guy on the second tier in West Block, down towards the back, back bar who plays guitar and his I mean he's, just, he's, he's a white guy but you would think just by hearing what he plays that he's some black guy from, from Louisiana somewhere like his blues are just like it's, it's raw and crisp and it's like really emotional stuff I dig it you know
your mom, your sister, your wife, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, partner, uh, your kids. You don't have that. You don't have any affection, physical affection, tactile affection. I think that the empty void is a lot of times what turns men into monsters. I saw something uh, a few months ago when I was coming to work, on my way to work. Uh, I guess one of the lifers had gotten found suitable for parole. And this officer, correctional officer, walked up, hey man, I heard, grabbed him and gave him this huge bear hug. And I'm seeing a cop and an inmate hugging each other. I'm like, what, dude, what, what is happening here? Like, I was so shocked. Like, I think I talked about it for like three days before I processed and analyzed it. Like, what is wrong with me that this is so shocking? Two human beings, one of them is proud of the other, one of them is proud of himself, but they're just celebrating this Literally, this life changing, this life giving news, and they're celebrating it. And to me, it was shocking. I know I should be ashamed to say this, but I have gotten out a number of times. After um, seven and a half years in the Youth Authority, two and a half years in prison, six years fighting a life case. So I've gotten out after long periods, and it takes forever to get used to sitting and laying down on a mattress. When you go home tonight, I mean, just stop. Before you even sit down, just stop and experience the sensations of lowering yourself onto a mattress, sitting down, feeling it, your weight sink into it a little bit. I, I, I'm telling you that, that my first several days, like I have to sleep on the floor. I have to like lay down a couple blankets and just sleep on the floor because it takes that long to get used to the softness, you know, the comfort. Like it's not comfortable. It's so comfortable, you know. I think in here I look for things to remind me of what it was like outside of prison and things to look forward to when I get out of prison and seeing nature and these things I realize that the world hasn't stopped it's still going it's still going to be there when I get out it's very calming and soothing to me and so I'm really thankful that here at San Quentin we have a beautiful hill and a mountain where we can see a lot of nature Every morning when I come down from the top of the stairs, we can look over and see a little bit of the bay. And then at the bottom of the stairs, you look over and you can see the hillside where you can see deer, uh, sometimes a coyote or a fox. There's a lot of you know, birds flying overhead and on the yard and the geese on the yard. This morning there were about a dozen geese when we came down to work. There's about two or three dozen out there right now. We have osprey that I've actually seen carrying fish from one part of the bay to the other part of the bay. Hawks. The other day I saw a hawk just swoop down and snatch a pigeon right out of the air, right above the yard. We have pelicans that fly in the V formation. 
sometimes a hundred pelicans, a great blue heron, there's usually just one, they fly alone. Comorants, egrets, and just here on the garden, we have uh, finches and sparrows, we have the swallows that build the mud nests up on the top of the housing units, the, you know, the cell blocks. And so they build nests out of mud every year. One year, it was so quiet on the yard because of the pandemic that they were coming down and grabbing the mud right off of the yard, which is cool to see them flying around, grabbing the mud and, and building their nests. You know, there were, I think, 50 nests just right there on the wall, the big wall outside the yard. Have you been at one of those prisons like High Desert or Soledad where there's just desert everywhere? Ironwood. Ironwood. What is that like? So it, it's a desert, but there's tarantulas, there's lizards, there are bats. We had uh, bats flying around outside the yard with the big bright lights. Um, they attract moths and the moths attract birds that feed on moths. There's night hawks. A guy might have a pet snake. In the desert, there's wildlife too. What are you missing? Oh my goodness, where do I start? <laughs> the, the glimmer of the water over the ocean as I walk across the beach. Seeing wild rivers flowing and, and hearing them and stepping into them, feeling the cold water on my feet. Seeing a forest from the inside out uh, is, is a beautiful thing. What are the things you wish you didn't see? Well, we all take showers with men. And uh, if, if you look at the wrong spot, you learn right away, you know, oh, got hit in the eye, man. <laughs> Don't look there. So you learn. You know, the bathrooms here, I mean, even like on the yard and out here, uh, outside of work. The refreshing sounds of a toilet flushing in prison. They don't have, you know, guards, so you're just right next to each other. And When I walk through the yard, I, I, I very purposely avoid looking at the toilets. You have to, right? I always feel bad for the guy, but I always feel like it must be so humiliating to, like, some person's walking by and just, you know, looks at you going to the bathroom. But do you, do you think, like, you just get over that? Well, thank you for that, Nigel. We're in a spot, yeah. 99% of us are not trying to be seen going to the bathroom. Yeah. But here, yeah, everyone walking by, you know, guests, volunteers, uh, teachers, if they just glance over, they see something they don't want to see. Some guys will stop and try to talk to me by the bathroom, <laughs> and I'm like, can we just move on? How long do you think it takes to get used to going to the bathroom in front of other people? It took me a long time, yeah. You get used to seeing patterns. What, can you explain that? Um, like for instance, if, you know, I would be on a crazy yard in high desert and I would, I would notice one person every day just work out in a certain area, right? And then one day I would notice him somewhere else 
and immediately red flags would go up like, oh, wait, this ain't right. He's not right there. He's over here. You notice that. You notice, all right, this person's always playing chess or this person's always playing cards. This person's always working out. This person's always doing, you know, doing other things. So you notice these things. And then when you realize that one of them is off, it sends alarms, to, you know, signals to your brain like, wait, hold on, something's up. And I was right. Something bad was about to happen. Like I said, your senses are, are attuned. They have to be if you are on a, a violent yard. Yeah. If you're oblivious to it all, you might become a victim yourself. It's hard being like this with one eye to walk around, and then I'm on the second tier. Almost fell a couple times. Kevin Arbuckle has been in prison since 2010. He has glaucoma. He's blind in one eye and only has partial vision in the other. How do you get down all the stairs? I hold on to the rail and tap with my sick to get to the next step to find out where, where the end of it is. And are, are people helpful? Some people are helpful, some of them don't. Got to step to get in the shower. Yeah. So the guys see me coming in, they, they say, oh, gee, you got it, you got it, OG? I'm like, yeah, I hold on to the rail and do the best I can do. Mm. It's hard to get around in a crowd of people. I wouldn't even participate in coming out here to the yard unless I come and do the laundry or go on the program somewhere. So um, other than that, I stay in the cell. You don't go out to the yard? No. Nope. So, oh. Because I don't want to go out because I don't have nobody really right there to help me, protect me, yeah. or be around with me, you know? It'd be fine if I had two or three people with me, right. you know, that I can walk around, go over here, sit down, or be somewhere, or whatever, but not just, you know, by myself. So what do you think, what do you worry about happening if you go out to the yard? Anything can happen. A fight can break out, or, or I can bump into somebody or something, you know what I'm saying? Uh, I could be walking one minute and trip. So you spend most of your time in your housing unit? In, in, in a cell. It's dark. I just sit there and watch TV all day. Go to breakfast, come back, come down, try to uh, get on the phone, come back upstairs, come back, go to dinner, come back, go to my park, and that's it. It sounds lonely. It's hard. It's hard on me in that Liberty space. It's hard just sitting up on the bunk all day. A Liberty cell like that. Always got to pay attention. Don't care whatever prison I go to when they do the unlocks. Because I never know who's coming in on me or whatever. I always got to be cautious. So always be right there, you know, right there on my bed. Only way when I feel comfortable after 845. That's when they lock him down. Uh, that's when you feel safer? That's when I feel more safe. That way I can get out of my shoes and can relax a little, you know? Yeah. So we've talked about two senses, hearing and seeing. So how many more to go? Three more to go. Mm Right after this break, the smells 
of San Quentin State Prison, when five senses, the ear hustle spotlight continues. Stay tuned. Support for Snap Judgment comes from Odoo. What is Odoo? Well, Odoo is an all-in-one management software with apps for every business need. Odoo has apps for CRM, accounting, sales, HR, inventory, manufacturing, and everything in between. And they're all in one easy-to-use software. And the best part about Odoo? All Odoo apps are integrated, helping you get things done faster and more efficiently. So when you think about business, think Odoo. To learn more, visit odoo.com slash snap. That's O-D-O-O dot com slash snap. Welcome back to Snap Judgment. The five senses, our ear hustle spotlight. Today, we're tagging along with ear hustle inside San Quentin State Prison to explore the five senses. And next up, the sense of smell. Snap judgment. I have really bad gas. Um, and I apologized once to my Sally after weeks because, you know, he, he never said anything, never complained, which is kind of weird because gas stinks. And I've had actual problems with Sally's before where it had actually almost come to a fight, you know, literally throwing punches because I have gas. I have bad gas and I know it smells, but, you know, I can't really do anything about it. My celly actually threatened to beat me up the next time I farted when I was asleep. I can't get up and use the toilet when I'm sleeping. Did you know, like, the, what, in prison, what you expect to do when you have gas? I was told by my Sally, who it became a problem with, to drink a lot of water. He also asked me to stop eating certain foods. No, no, I'm referring to something else. So in prison, uh, I didn't notice either. I, went, I came to prison for the first time. I got to Calipatra, and I would pass gas, and, you know, excuse me, like, it's no big deal. You're going to pass gas. My Sally made some smart comments, but he didn't tell me that the custom is you're supposed to go to the toilet sit on the toilet and flush the fart. You know, time your fart with the flush. Yeah. Right? No, I'd heard the flush it and I've seen guys try it, but with limited flushes, you don't want to lock the toilet out and then you really got to use the toilet and then it's worse than a fart. How many farts <laughs> you going to use in eight, five minutes? Eight, we, we get, you get two flushes every two minutes. This is not where I thought this conversation no, was I didn't, going I was, to This go. is not what I had planned. In and out. I bring up High Desert because it, it, that place, I, I, I pretty much grew up there, right? But the, the food was just so terrible. I remember they would serve like scrambled eggs, right? And, and I used to work in the main kitchen too. So the eggs tasted like how the kitchen smelled. Like, what, can, it is, was can you terrible. Describe, can you describe it, it Like mildew. All? Like, I don't know. It was, it was uh, so every time I would taste the eggs, 
I would associate the two and I would like gag, like, you know? Like, so it's like a fan, almost like a phantom taste. Yeah, it's a phantom. And it ruined everything for me up there. It ruined all my meals. I could not eat in the kitchen. Like it, it just, I, every time I tasted something, that's what I- You tasted mildew. Yeah. So I'm imagining the smell of like a mop bucket. Exactly. Just like think of a mop bucket with some smelly old mops. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you think you've had long-term um, damage done to your your feelings around taste? Well, I, I could tell you one thing. When I get out of here, I probably never eat pancakes. I'm never going to eat ramen noodles. I'm never going to eat peanut butter and jelly sandwich. I'm probably never going to eat uh, scrambled eggs. And I, I love pancakes. I grew up on pancakes. You know, mom used to, my mom used to make pancakes. I enjoyed them. Now, don't, I don't even want to see a pancake, to be honest. Okay, 15 years ago, if you could have brought one taste in with you, what would it have been? One taste? Yeah. Steak, I guess. <laughs> like some meat. And what associations yeah. do you have with that taste? Uh, just, you know, family gatherings and, and being... Um, you know, with loved ones, you know, always barbecuing. Man, just, I really don't want to get into it, but it's just like having um, something cooked rather than preheated. You know? Wait a minute, why don't you want to get into it? Because, like, I, I can't even, honestly, it's like I almost can't even remember what it tastes like. Like, I can remember that I like it, but I can't, like, re- get, sit there and, and give you, like, uh, uh, those details that it's like I, I, I lost them. And when you say you don't want to go there, is it because you don't want to like open those feelings or you just can't remember? Um, I honestly, I, I feel like I'm, I'm forgetting things and like to, to be honest, even though I being in here, I I'd always want like good food, but it's like I'm forgetting like things, like I'm forgetting how that tastes, you know? Yeah, it's it's I don't know, it's kind of sad, but that goes with being incarcerated for a long time. Yeah, um, I wonder if it's sad or it's protective or it's adaptive. I don't know. I would go, you know, man, a long time without calling family members. I don't want to, like, really think about them. It sounds, it sounds like, kind of cold, right? Like, I don't want to think about them. I don't want to stress on what they're doing, yeah. right? So it's like I close them off. Yeah. Some people reach out to the families every day or, or have that connection. And for me, I guess I unconsciously tried to sever connections. And then like now, you know, uh, ever since you know, my mom passed away, I try to like reestablish those connections with my family. But I think it's it's almost like it's too late because they have moved on without me. And so I'm like trying to like get back in their lives and it's like, I don't see my place in it. 
You just did that very emotional story with us yeah. about last memories. Did it bring back any smells or sounds or tastes for you? Um, it brought up like I I I try to remember what my house smelled like, and that I I I don't know I forgot, but I remember how my mom smells like. It's crazy because uh, was that visit and someone was wearing perfume somewhere and I had a uh, walk past it or something and and I smelled it and it immediately conjured up a memory of my mom and uh, and I didn't say anything I didn't say anything at all I kind of just went on with my visit. I don't know, like, you know, I'm not one who believes in, you know, ghosts or paranormal activity. I smelt that and I'm like, oh, she's here. You know, that's what my brain's telling me when, you know, or some part of my brain, right? And the other half's like, no, she's, she's, she's moved on. She passed. I think it was in 2019. They had started giving us oranges. They started giving us citrus. And um, it had been a while since I had peeled the orange. And when I peeled that orange, the citrus that it lit up the whole cell. I broke every wedge. I tried to I tried to break every wedge without breaking the skin in between. I did my best. Sometimes I succeeded, sometimes I didn't. It was like a reminder. It let me know that I'm getting closer to freedom, that I'm, I'm getting closer to going home. It was small, it was subtle, but it was something. It gave me a glimmer of hope. And the touch of having that uh, peel stuck in my nails and pulling it from up under my nails, I just realized how long it had been since I actually peeled the orange and ate the orange. How long do you think it had been? Um, let me see, 2019. Probably like 20 years, a little bit over 20 years. Did you eat that orange fast or slow? I ate it slow. That's the only way you're going to be able to enjoy it. Thanks to David Ditto, Andrew Boots Hardy, Ryan Pagan, Kevin Arbuckle, and Reggie Thorpe for speaking with us for this episode. Thanks also to Tony to Trinidad. This episode was produced by me, Erlon Woods, Nigel Poor, Rasan New York Thomas, and Bruce Wallace, with help from Tony Tafoya and Rashid Zinneman. It was sound designed and engineered by Erlon Woods, with help from Fernando Arruda and Bruce Wallace. It features music by Lee Jaspar, Antoine Williams, Rashid Zinneman, Fernando Arruda, and David Jossie. 
Amy Standen edits the show. Shabnam Sigman is our managing producer. And Bruce Wallace is our executive producer. And we want to mention this episode about prison and the five senses was the idea of our beloved former executive producer, Julie Shapiro. Thanks for always being the inspiration, Julie. We really miss you. We do indeed. We'd also like to thank Warden Ron Broomfield. And as you know, every episode of Ear Hustle has to be approved by this cat here. Ear Hustle, welcome to season 10. And just as I get going, my phone rings in the background, but I am focused on you. So with that, I will say that in our 10th season, episode number one, that I do approve this episode. Thank you, thank you, thank you to the whole Ear Hustle team at PRX's Radiotopia. No, that Ear Hustle's new season just kicked off, season 10, featuring brand new stories never heard on the show. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Now, when Snap returns, a conversation like you've never heard before. Stay tuned. Welcome to Snap Judgment. My name is Glenn Washington. And if you go through the whole situation of getting processed to enter the San Quentin State Prison, if you go through the gates, walk past the yard, down some steps, you arrive at the media lab. It's where the Ear Hustle team makes magic inside the prison and right next door to Ear Hustle, right there. Close enough where each team can hear each other loud enough to ask folk to please be quiet. We're recording right now. Right there is another audio team, Uncuffed. And that Uncuffed recorded both at San Quentin and Solano State Prisons. Incarcerated people have real conversations with each other. Not just about how they got where they are, but also about what they're doing going forward. It's an amazing project. I'm going to drop you into one of those conversations right now. Snap judgment. We got a few fellas in the room right now. Let's start to my right, man. Introduce yourself. My name is Nathan Nate McKinney. Oh, yeah. An A plus Nate. Back in effect. Go ahead. You got Edmund Richardson here. And Tommy Shakur Ross. Shakur Ross. And this is Tan Tran. I just want to say I love my job. God, we get to do what we love down here, really talking and really sharing experiences. And we here today for one of our greatest of all time, A plus, golden standard, Nathan McKenney. Come on, y'all. Nate the Great. Nate the New. Everybody snap it up, 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 snap it up. Did you receive that? Nate, go ahead, man. I know you got some news for the people. Well, just recently, uh, last month, as a matter of fact, about 30 days ago, I found I was found suitable. Um, uh, what what, what, is, what does suitable mean? Hold suitable on. Suitable means that I no longer present a risk to public safety, you know, in, in, um, in terminology-wise. Mm. So for those who don't know, if you are sentenced to life in prison in California, you have to go through a board of parole. And if you get found suitable, what that means is that you have a chance of coming home. Nate, tell us what the process looks like. I think that what most people can identify with is like the night before Christmas, if you're a kid. 
you know, and you want a present. And that present to me is freedom mm. and that suitability. And it's hard to sleep. It's hard to reconcile the peace of mind with the, with the anxiety attacks that you're pretty, that I was having, you know, to use the I statement. I had to address issues that needed to be addressed and I don't know how they, they were gonna be received. I'm gonna have to explain or connect the dots of what happened to me on that particular day that I committed the life crime and where I'm at now. And what brought me to the point where I had hurt people. Was there any like rituals or something that, 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 that you did that night or that morning that you prayed that, you know, some people got their pocket Bible. Did you got anything shaking for you? I have uh, family members that were in my corner. They said they mm. were praying for me. And I, of course, I w it was evident that I had to pray for myself. Okay. But for, for the most part, it was just filled with the, the taboo, the unknown, mm. not knowing what's going to happen. Is all this for naught? Mm. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Absolutely. Man, just hearing Nate's story, like what's coming up for y'all over here, man? I, I see Shakur shaking his head. Emmett's looking lost like he always looks, you know? <laughs> so what's coming up for you, Shakur? I can definitely relate to uh, your story, his story, mm. because uh, I have I went to the board in uh, 2016 and I got a seven-year denial. Mm. So I definitely can relate to the anxiety. I definitely can relate to uh, sitting, you know, in a, in a holding cell and wait for them to call my name so I can go in with the anxiety and the, and the not knowing, you know. I like that a lot. Ed, what was coming up for you, man, just hearing about Nate the Great having to take that green mile stroll, man? I think for me, just, just hearing his story, like the anxiety that he was going through is like transferring over to me. Mm. Like this is something that I'm going to have to go through. Yeah, you know what's coming up for me is uh, uh, the, uh, the preparation process. Like, there's a lot of things that go into preparing for board, board prep, right? Uh, relapse prevention plans, uh, parole plans, jobs, uh, transitional housing. So there's a lot of things that, that go into uh, parole prep. Like, what was that process like for you? It was arduous. It was hard. Just getting ready to go present yourself, you know, and you want to present yourself in the most positive light. So it's going to take more than just 15 minutes of preparation. It's years of preparation. Mm. Nate, this time again, man. Nate, man, I'm just feeling, I'm feeling a lot of emotions just hearing you talk about this stuff, man, because I was here when you got the denial the other time when you went to board and we were certain you was going home, you know? And um, so my question to you, Nate, is, Knowing that the system essentially denied you twice, they didn't essentially, they did deny you twice and said you were not suitable. Like, well, what were your thoughts? Were these thoughts coming up for you when you were sitting in that boardroom of past failures? They not only was coming up, they were always in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. They were the 700 pound gorilla in the room. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? But besides people right. being very optimistic about what's gonna happen to me, it's always, I look back in the room and there that gorilla is, you know what I mean? Yeah, he weighs a lot, you know what I mean? How long was each denial real quick? Well, my first denial was five years. Wow. And then after that, I got banged for three. Yeah. And so it didn't feel very good at all. Yeah. It was, it was uh, deflating. It was uh, humiliating, you know, to be on a personal level. And it's all the things that, that come along with not being successful. Yeah. But once again, I couldn't internalize it. I couldn't say that I was a failure. I, I couldn't say that I wasn't successful. I just had to find a way to overcome that. Mm. 
And that's why I just kept pressing on. Yeah, man. Like, even as you're speaking right now, Nate, like, what's coming up for me, too, is that there's there's a certain point when, like, uh, hoping becomes a scary thing. You're, like, for me, I could speak from personally that I begin getting scared to hope for freedom because of all the letdowns that I've, I've experienced in my own fight for freedom. Like, uh, you, you get so close sometimes and you're like, yes, it's going to happen. And it doesn't. What this really bringing up for me, right, is that, you know, we're talking a lot about, like, what we're experiencing. I know the letdowns that I've experienced, I know it killed my family. It yeah. killed them. Yeah. Like, every time when they thought I was coming home and I didn't, it crushed them. I feel like they were more crushed than I was. Like, can you speak a little bit about how how your family has been on this roller coaster for these three board dates for you? Yeah, that's the, that's the two-headed monster. You know, the two-headed monster is, you know, they love you. They want you there. They want you present in their lives. You know, they know that they know that you have value. You know what I mean? And they want the world to know you have value. However, when that doesn't happen to them, they feel worse for me than me. I definitely hear you on that, Nate. Shakur, I know you've been denied that board a few times too, man. So I'm like, same question to you, Shakur. Like, how did your family take it? Like, how were you able to, like, continue to push? When I got on the phone and uh, I told uh, my fiancé at the time, like, Immediately, she goes into tears. Mm. Some of the volunteers who I've worked with here as well, like, went into tears because they're here. They're able to see the work that we do, mm. right, as individuals. Again, not just for the board, but for our own personal growth and development. Mm. So it definitely was a hard, uh, you know, experience, not only for me, but for my family as well. I've only seen my mother cry three times in my life, and that's when... They broke in our house when her auntie died and when her mom died. And they said my mother cried. So that kind of moved me, you know. My older sister cried and my younger sister cried. And it, and it made, it was kind of like a burden or relief for them. You know what I mean? That this will be coming to an end soon. You know, the pain and anguish and the absence of me being in their lives, not being present. And it made me feel good for a change, you know, to be able to reveal that news because they were holding their breath when I called after I came back. And I called immediately, you know what I mean? Because I wanted to let them know because they've been my biggest supporters is my family, especially my uh, my youngest sister. Mm -hmm. And um, I just wanted to let them know that, you know, this burden and that, that, that I've put them through, that I've caused, this pain that I've caused, is coming to an end. Mm -hmm. And we can turn the page and we can begin a new chapter in our lives. Yeah, for sure. This Edmund again. Um, some of the points that you you guys were making is like they don't see us on our our day to day walk. They don't see how much work that we put in. Like I know as a man that I've changed. One thing that I learned: you can walk the walk, but they don't care about that. They just want you to be able to talk it. And that's something that I didn't learn how to do. Even though I changed, I wasn't able to articulate how I changed mm. or this arc of transformation that they talk about. Mm. Um, listening to to both of y'all talk about like your experiences going to board, like that's scary for me mm. because I I don't talk like Nate. Like Nate, Nate to me is hella articulate. 
Like he's able to express his emotions, what's coming up for him. He's able to unpack like what I see. He's able to put his trauma into words and make it relatable to someone else. And for me, that's scary. I don't know how to do that. I don't have that skill set. You just did. You just did it. (laughs) Unbeknownst to you. (laughs) But I mean, it's also like, I think guys, I know a guy, a lot of guys have changed. That criminal thinking is gone. That's not a part of their lifestyle. What advice would you give somebody that has these insecurities, that are self-conscious about their abilities to articulate what they learned over the past five, 10 years of their incarceration? What advice would you give to them in preparing to go to board? Authenticity, speaking the truth. Mm -hmm. Speak your truth. Don't make it a rehearsed speech. You know, don't worry about the group talk, even though we get compelled to to be uh, digressive, you know, when we get in sticky situations, but just speak what's coming from your heart and what you know to be the truth and people will receive that. Mm -hmm. I really want to just be in that room with you when they said you are suitable. When we came back on the record, I was trying my best to look calm, but my heart was pounding like an 808 kick drum. I could hear it uh, like I was in an old-fashioned blazer with 15-inch woofers in it. That's how my heart felt. But I'm trying to my best to look calm. The commissioner, she read through, you know, the formalities. And when she said that she, they do, do not, they no longer find me a risk to public safety, my hands went to my forehead, my head dropped, and the gorilla was removed from the room. I was overcome with emotions but I was sitting there kind of in a state of suspended animation. I was numb, but it was a good numb. You know what I mean? Because it seemed like all the possibilities with things that I could do, including that what I'm going to get, including autonomy, was just on the horizon. What people don't know is that after you go through this arduous process of going through the board, Now you got to wait about 120 to 150 days for the governor to decide if he wants to let you out or not. And more often than not, he can pull your date. So you went through all of this trauma. You think you got this victory just to find out you really just lost and you got to do it all over again. You know, so I'm praying that that's not what's written in your storybooks. You done fought three times to get to this part. I'm hoping that you just walk right out of them gates at this point, Nate, because uh, I think I could see you in a tweed suit. Man, it could be made out of a burlap sack. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to put it on and wear it like I just got it from uh, Ford or something. Yeah. Nate, what's your, what's your last thoughts, man, before we, before we check out, man? Well, it's kind of bittersweet, you know, just to sound cliche a little bit, because I know that I'm leaving behind, you know, some great relationships. We're going to be able to cultivate these relationships when we all have autonomy. And it's coming for everybody. You know, you can't keep a good man down forever. And I know it's going to come to fruition that we all going to be together and have a, a one great big party mm-hmm. on the outside. But until then, my thoughts, my prayers, my hopes, and my wishes 
for a good and prosperous life goes out to each and every one of y'all. And I thank you for your heartfelt comments. And on that note, I'm out. Love y'all. What's up, everyone? This is Edmund. Before I get started in the credits, I got a quick update. Since we recorded that conversation, Shakur Ross was also found suitable for parole and is hopefully headed home in early 2022. We'll check in with him about that in an upcoming episode coming out soon. You can find Uncuffed on KLW 91.7 in San Francisco or at weareuncuffed.org. Subscribe to Uncuffed in any podcast player. Thanks to the team at KLW Public Media, our sound designer, Eric Maserati E. Abercrombie, Nina Gensler-Debs, Angela Johnston, Andrew Stelzer, Ben Trefney, and Eli Wirtshafter. And thanks to David Jassy for our theme music. Uncuff gets support from the Arts and Corrections Program, a partnership with the California Arts Council and the California Department of Corrections and Rehabilitation. All content recorded on this inside is approved by an information officer. Thanks for listening. This piece was brought to us from the amazing team at Uncuffed, created by people behind bars in California prisons. And unfortunately, they recently got some terrible news. They lost their main source of funding that allows them to train incarcerated producers and make this show. So they're reaching out to listeners to weather the storm. And you can both subscribe to the podcast and learn how you can help at weareuncuffed.org. That's weareuncuffed.org. Okay, so think about where you've just been. What you've just heard, what you felt. The type of storytelling you just can't keep to yourself. It's not right. Share your favorite Snap Judgment with your best friend. Even better, share Snap with your worst enemy. That will teach them. Hours of amazing journeys on the Snap Judgment podcast available right now for free. Wherever you get your podcast, and please know that this is not the news. No way is this the news. In fact, no matter how many times someone tells me when you're digging yourself into a hole, you first need to stop digging. Always, every time. Instead, I'll always double down and get a bigger shovel. And even then, you will still not be as far away from the news as this is. But this is PR.